gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Hey there, welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. Thank you so much for listening. I love the fact that we've done 286 of these and you decided, I don't want to listen to any of those. I just want to listen to episode 287. And boy, do I have a podcast to sell you. I want a disclaimer as we start that I am not being put up for this. Uh, this is not a promo podcast. Uh, two of my friends started their own pop culture podcast, and I like it. I happen to think it's pretty good, and I thought they'd be fun to have on this podcast so we could talk about their podcast, my podcast, and we'll just say the word podcast seven billion times during the course of this episode. Uh, Hemel Javari and Brian Minter are the hosts of a show called 10 Movies. And I don't know how they came up with the idea. I don't know why they came up with this idea, but they do it, and I'm going to let them explain it as well. Hemel and Brian, welcome to the Hall of Justice. Thanks, Seth. Yeah, thanks for having us, Seth. Good to see you. You guys are in the midst of of this season. Okay, so this is what I think 10 Movies is about. I just want to make sure you guys decide on an actor or actress, you know, it could be a man, woman, elephant, whatever it is. And you decide that you're going to take 10 of that actor's movies and break down each random movie as they do. Is that, was that the genesis of this? And like, tell me some romantic story on how you came up with this. Were you sitting at a cafe, wrote the idea on a napkin or something like that? Tell me how this, this, this kooky idea came about. I'll let, I'll let Hemel take that. Uh, I may chime in with some color. Okay. I don't. Or you'll I don't. Refu- refute it. <laughs> well, the romantic part of this is that Brian and I have actually known each other for a very long time. We go all the way back to college. And uh, if you'll indulge me, indulge me in being a little bit sentimental, it's that as you get older, you have less time to hang out with your friends. And so I wanted a podcast where I could just talk to my friends and we didn't have to, you know, incorporate it into the regular social hangouts that we usually do. And so I strong armed Brian into, you know, being on this podcast. And at first I was really vague and I said, Brian, oh, it's just about pop culture. And then as the more episodes we did, the more comfortable we both got. And at some point we were trying to decide what the next season should be. And I said, we should do Keanu Reeves. And Brian thought I was a little crazy. Said, hell but- no. Why would <laughs> hell would you do and, that? And credit to Himmel, this was before the Keanu songs. Like this was like a, a year, six months before everyone like critically reappraised Keanu Reeves and decided that we loved him as a people. 
right. Yeah, I, I was like, Brian, we really have to do this. And he went with it. And so our first season, we just sat down and we were like, we were just going to do 10 movies all starring Keanu Reeves and see what comes out of the end of it. So that's how it was born. Well, we should note that you did a podcast. You started this podcast on some like uh, inferior uh, network. <laughs> and then you decided for your fourth season, you came over to Underdog. And yeah. if you're listening to this podcast through the Underdog Podcast Network, uh, you can easily find 10 movies. Uh, it's usually listed right next to Hall of Justice because we're both kind of covering uh, pop culture. Um, yeah, so we, were once, uh, we were once wandering in the podcast wilderness with, with all of the other uh, noobs and losers. And uh, yeah. we were big fans of Hall of Justice, uh, <laughs> you know, and Seth, you know, you, you really helped us find Underdog. And it's been it's been great. Like, we're really we're really stoked to be part of the the fine underdog family of podcasts. Well, and, and I, I worked with Hemel a long time ago, like like over 10, 10 years ago now. Yeah, it's been a, we, we go way back and through happenstance through social media we ended up yeah that was social media now the season that's out on the underdog network is about uh Dwayne the rock johnson and i quickly found out uh when i completely embraced this and i i pitched the the folks at underdog this idea that i have never seen a movie that Dwayne johnson's been in Impossible, except for Moana, except for Moana. I've seen Moana a bunch of times because I have uh, young, young daughters, but that was it. And then I've never seen a movie. And I will say after listening to your podcast, I wanted to have you guys on, but I'm not still not interested in any of those <laughs> movies. And I actually have when I, I've listened to your episodes and I've literally said to myself, oh, my God, they had to watch this. The man is in 78% of all feature films produced in the last 20 years. It's a true fact. I don't see how you missed him. What was, what, tell me the appeal to this guy. And not that he's a former wrestler, right? Which I have no bias against wrestlers. John Cena was great as Peacemaker. Do a Um, 10 movies on John Cena. That would be interesting. No, it's actually very difficult to find the right person. You have to find someone who's a leading actor, who has a big catalog of work, who, you know, like, because one of the things we try to do is not just, like, pick 10 movies and review them, but pick 10 movies and like, really talk about, like, this person's persona, right? Like, like for Dwayne Johnson, like, America loves Dwayne Johnson. Why? What does he bring to these movies? You know, so we look at each movie as an individual work, but then we look at it, what's the through line? Cool. What's the story of The Rock that, that people are so crazy for? He's going to be in uh, Black Adam. That's the first movie I'll see. Yeah, that's get, first, you guys. Uh, you guys will come role. back to a review the Black Adam movie. How about that? Oh, that would be great. But Seth, you don't. You've never seen any of his multiple action movies. Nothing from the Fast and Furious franchise. No, the Fast and Fur- Furious. I would have to be in traction. <laughs> and oh, man, don't, someone don't talk to like take that in front of him. She'll she'll speak harshly of you for forever after this. Furious, you gotta be joking. <laughs> well, you know, like uh, yeah, I mean, one but of the I'm a, but I'm a weird, is... I'm a weirdo when it comes to that stuff because I'm a completist, and one of the things that I you know I consider this a curse, and I'll explain the the worst uh, example of this is if I see something that's connected, I either see all of it or none of it. Mm-hmm. So for Fast and the Furious, now that there's 10 movies, there's never going to be a it's day a where I'll, yeah. I'll see that. Right. That's a homework assignment. But right. to that end, I have never seen a James Bond movie. 
and the reason is, and the reason is is when I was young and I knew about this this, this connection with all the Sean Connery and Roger Moore and all these different James Bond I would say I at the time we didn't have access to, to all right. of this stuff like you were renting movies and ah, who had that kind of money you know like there was Star Wars movies that was it and it was the kind of thing for me where now it's gone too deep last summer and this was something that I thought about which is ironic you guys gave me the idea of something that you guys didn't even realize is Quentin Tarantino talked about how he's doing 10 movies and you guys had just told me about this podcast called 10 movies and I was like wow, that's really cool. So last summer, my project was to see or re-see mm. all 10 Quentin Tarantino movies. And that was really fun. And I'm thinking about doing that again with Richard Linklater. I do not suffer from being a completist because I don't think, no human is going to live long enough to see all the movies The Rock has made. There's just, <laughs> there's no way that's gonna happen. He's, He's making them faster the than we can watch them. Wow, you guys didn't even sense that I was trying to move on from The Rock. Wow. <laughs> but, you know, like one thing about like, you know, like we're 10 movies is not like a movie podcast where we make fun of bad movies. Like Hemel and I are not really film people. We are both Hemel more so than I. But we are both like sit down with a pork chop in front of TBS and enjoy enjoy what you're being served. Like we are wow. we are big fans of a middle brow, big budget action movie. And uh, yeah, Dwayne Johnson has more than a few of those to his uh, to his credit. We've mentioned Batman one, twice, or seven thousand times on the, on this podcast. Yeah, he's Batman. He's Batman. Is that because of the uh, the Dark Knight trilogy and the first two Tim Burton movies? You'd have to make a pretty damn good Batman movie to crack the top five, so that literally the best you can come up with <laughs> is six that we've already seen the five best Batman movies that can be made. And I just wonder as we go through time, whether we'll ever get to a point where we'll say, wow, that was better than the Dark Knight. I, I, I just would love to, to know that that exists. And what I think has happened now with Batman, and I think Ben Affleck and uh, what's his face, uh, Pattinson, uh, Mr. Emo guy, um, the two of them, are literally just trying to be different. It, it, what I call it, uh, change for change sake. Mm -hmm. It's just we have to do something different because if we if we copy them, you know, then all then we're not being artists. We're not doing our own thing. And I always find that I think what what, what makes these things successful is going back to basics. If you look at the Spider Man legacy. You know, Tobey Maguire, uh, those movies were f amazing, especially the first two. And then you get into what well, we have to change. Wait, you didn't like Spider-Man <laughs> 1 and Spider-Man 2? I mean, they Holy cast Tobey I, I I don't want to hear from the internet, and I'm going to apologize in advance. But uh, Tobey Maguire, to me, it was like they cast a 30-year-old as Peter Parker. Like, he already had, like, a receding hairline. But and, he was in college. See, what I like is when Spider-Man's yeah. in college. I just think that Spider-Man is more heroic, that, that that Peter had to be a little older. I don't have a lot of emotional attachment to the Spider-Man movies, so I can see why some fans would have loved it. Um, I thought they were fine, but I definitely prefer the Tom Holland version. But what I'm saying is then you brought in Andrew Garfield and everything right. had to be dark. 
and everything had to be well his parents so what about his parents this big conspiracy were they traitors to the country and all this stuff and i'm thinking to myself again that's just change for change's sake i think you're right about that and i i thought the new batman was bad and i thought the Zack snyder ben affleck batmans were also bad uh but i don't think it's the like i think you know we've seen so many there's 80 years of Batman stories we've seen, even just in feature films, we've seen like half a dozen people like portray Batman. So I don't even think that like, I did not like the emo Batman that movie, but I don't think it's their take on Batman. I think that the directors misunderstood the character, right? Like the, I think the Batman, and I'll, forgive me for nerding out a little bit here. I love Batman. Like sure. what Nolan got so right about Batman, Snyder and whoever directed the new one missed. Like if you put Batman in the real world, He's either you can either make him a fascist, which Snyder did, which is not heroic or relatable, or you make him ridiculous, which the Pattinson Batman is like they put him in such a real world situation where he's just chasing his serial killer. He's just like one extra cop, but he's wearing a bat suit, right? Like there's all these scenes in the new one where the cops are like, wait a minute, why is that guy in a bat suit here? He's been interrupting the chain of evidence. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that cop is exactly right. Why is that guy in a bat suit here? <laughs> Batman works when he is protecting the people of Gotham against otherworldly forces, something that the normal civic authorities cannot possibly best. That's when you need wait. a hero Batman. But wait, I thought the origin of Batman was detective comics, right? Like his origin is that he is a detective and that is what this Pattinson Batman what? was supposed what, yeah, but he needs to be detecting like aliens what, what, what and gods, he, not just a creep. Well, it's not even that. It's it's what did he solve? He he did he figure it out? Like everyone else figured it out. It kind of happened to him. I mean, and then in the end, there's this big flood for no reason whatsoever. And who did he save? Yeah, you could have had Lenny Briscoe from the old Law and Order do that, and like stand next to Batman the whole time, get all the same clues, and not look ridiculous. Yeah, so I, mean, I just want to say, for the record, I do not like this Batman, but I can't believe that I'm in the position of having to, to defend it. Defending Robert Pattinson's I mean, emo Batman. It, <laughs> the biggest part of this Batman, probably the boldest, is that he was a bad Batman. He was not a very good Batman. He's still figuring out how to be Batman and falling flat on his face, not really accomplishing very much. And I think it's definitely more about and this sounds so pedantic, but it's definitely more about the internal journey of this Batman than any outward spectacle. We haven't touched on the big elephant in the room, uh, Marvel. What's your what's your stance on the overabundance of Marvel stuff? It seems like Marvel lucked out in the world because they got to release their big uh, Infinity War and Endgame before COVID. Um, they had their you know they had their big big billion dollar moment. Um, and now they're in this like phase four where some of the things are like home run hits and some of these things are solid singles and some of these things are doubles. And it just seems like they are just reaching at everything. I, I will be a Marvel apologist. I love Marvel. I think that even with the abundance of storytelling that they have chosen to do, they do it really well. My thing with Marvel is that Marvel makes great movies. They understand how to make a movie. They mm -hmm. make terrible, terrible TV shows. Like really? unwatchably yeah, bad TV shows. Those TV shows, shows are all really? so boring. Oh no, you're <laughs> Seth is wearing a Falcon and the Winter Soldier t-shirt. The most boring of the really? all boring. Yeah, they're just, I wow. try them all. I just can't oh, even. Bad. You watch they 10 Dwayne Johnson movies and you think Falcon <laughs> and the Winter Soldier. Oh, he's got boring? us. He's got us there. He's got us there. I, it was, I loved I mean, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I thought it was amazing. 
I like they took two great characters and they gave him the most convoluted two boring, boring characters. Yes, go on. <laughs> oh, but with the replacement Wild Captain America, oh, that was tremendous. I did recently watch, uh, so yeah, I enjoy the Marvel movies as much as the next American, but I recently, my, my daughter's nine. And you know, when you're that age, you kind of have this like cargo cult osmosis understanding of popular culture. And we, she was into Star Wars. So we watched the Guardians of the Galaxy movies with her and she loved those. And then she's like, well, can I watch the other Marvel movies? And they weren't all entirely age appropriate, but it was too late. So we watched them all over the course of a few months, not like back to back, but like in chronological order, we watched them all. And when you do that, I think, on the negative side, you see how formulaic they are. Like they really have a formula and every movie fits that formula almost to a T with a couple exceptions. But you also gain a real appreciation for just like the, I don't know, I won't say artistic, but the cultural achievement that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe to make freaking 25, 30 feature films, almost all at a like decent but, to good level sometimes quality. sometimes with D-level D characters. I mean, the Guardians yeah, yeah. of the Galaxy were nothing. Yeah, characters no one had heard of. And so, like everyone, that's the story, right? That everyone loved X-Men and Spider-Man and Marvel Studios sold them all off and they were left with the C-Team. And now those are the most you know popular characters in, in, in pop culture. I can't imagine Captain America was even remotely popular before. No, none of them. Or came out. Thor or freaking Rocket Raccoon. Nobody even heard of those characters. Well, Captain America, they had some bad TV movies, which if you can find them, those are <laughs> tremendous. Uh, Red Brown, who's been on this podcast, uh, played Captain America. Um, he had a motorcycle that was in the 70s. It looked like chips. Um, it's just tremendous. Um, and Captain America has had cartoons. There's been a lot of animation on Captain America. Um, but I would say at best, Captain America is a B. Yeah, and the um, Hulk like had the show. The Hulk, we the Hulk had a bit, bit very popular show. With Lou Which Frigo. if you haven't gone back to watch, that show does not hold oh. up real well in terms of special effects or narrative style. No, uh, but Lou Ferrigno is one of the nicest human beings you'll ever know. And um he he was scary as all get out you know with oh, he that was, makeup yeah. and stuff and when i was a little kid that they terrified me and so i don't think marvel gets enough credit for their incredible casting because if you don't have robert downey jr as iron man it flops right there's sure. there's so much of rdj in there and john favreau and without how popular that pairing is and how popular that movie is they don't have enough um, steam to really launch the MCU. But all of their casting, aside from maybe one or two roles, has really just been spot on. Like if you had told me that, um, who plays Bruce Banner? What's his name? Oh, Mark, Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo. Like if he that he was going to be the Hulk, it, <laughs> it, I would be like, oh, that's crazy. There's absolutely no way that works. But then it works totally. Yeah, the casting, I think the performances, and I think they get, you know, these aren't movies about characters necessarily, but they give you character. Like the Dwayne Johnson, we watched all these movies. He oh never plays God. a character. He just you're, always you're plays Dwayne Johnson. You're bringing it back again. No, no, I'm saying like in a lot of action films like The Fast and the Furious or any of the Rocks movies, there's no characters at all. There's just like men smashing and punching. But in the Marvel films, even though there's men smashing and punching, they do give you like a, 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 an emotional hook. They give you a reason to care about the person doing the smashing and punching. Yeah. As far as actors are concerned, though, uh, I kind of have a rule about actors. Um, the, the standard rule on this show is uh, Ryan Reynolds was great in Green Lantern. It's not his fault he fought a cloud. <laughs> I don't 
think I made it through the end of that movie. I remember. No, 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 like, but 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 the point being, nothing Ryan Reynolds did would made that movie bad. That movie was written horribly. Yeah, and, yeah. D- directors are almost always more to blame than, than the actors, right? For sure. And I, and I usually look at 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 scripts. You know, the, what I what I never do. You know, it's the kind of thing I'll make a sports analogy. You know, when I cover sports and I have an opinion on on a on a sport, what I'll ne- what I won't say is he should have jumped higher or he should have been faster. Unless you can physically do it, you can't criticize that. Um, what I will then say is, well, that player shouldn't have been playing in that position. Why was why was that guy in the game at that point? You know, that you can you can criticize the mental aspects of it. And so it's the same thing. To me, it's always story. It's it's always story. And these films, especially in modern times, they are technological, uh, um, um, technologically um, um, incredible. I mean, they they exceed my expectations every time. I mean, uh, you talk about, you know, one of the movies that 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 makes me angry, (laughs) physically ill is The Last Jedi. But if you watch that movie with the sound off, it's gorgeous. I like it's, the last it's, shot it's better positively, than the other two. But, it's, uh, it's positively gorgeous. Like this, this whole this whole thing. We can do Star Wars. <laughs> the 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 idea that these movies are technologically amazing, I think, goes without saying. And you know, even the Batman was a a a, a pretty movie to see. You know what I mean? Like they, right. it, it was they shot. I didn't well. see any of it. It was, it was acted all in the dark, well, but I'm sure it was, you know, if, it was if they had stupid, turned the lights on, I might've enjoyed right. it. It was a stupid plot. And, and, but it always comes down to writing to me. You know, one of the things that I've, I've wrestled with when uh, we have guests on, I love to have voice actors on, but what I don't like to talk to them about is the plots of their shows because right. they didn't yeah. write it. You know, Susan Eisenberg, who's a dear friend, she uh, was the voice of Wonder Woman in the Justice League cartoon. And she was recently the voice of the sorceress in the uh, Kevin Smith Masters of the Universe uh, Netflix show. And in that show, you know, all kind of Prince Adam dies. Spoilers. And we, we did our reviews of that. And there's there's all this this stuff. And her literal answer is, well, I got a page and I, I read it. That, that's as far as they they can do. So I, I try not to, and I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I try not to ever pin it on the actor. The actor's usually doing it well. When I have an issue with a movie, it's probably the writing. And even when the performance is not great, I still think like, well, you know, the director was right there and he or she was in charge of that performance. So if the performance stinks, you know, why am I watching that? Why didn't I, why am I not watching the better performance they got later? I'm not going to lay this at anybody's feet, but I am curious with what you just said, Seth, how you think, what you think about the latest Wonder Woman that came out, the one with Gal Gadot and Pedro I Pascal. It was awful. I, it there's was, there's like, a famous story because I was trying to prove a point about movies and streaming and how I, I said I wouldn't buy Mulan. I wouldn't spend $30 to buy Mulan, but more so because, you know, my kids had kind of aged out of it and I wasn't interested in, in Mulan. And that's why. And I had said to prove my point that I thought the streaming model could work. I said I'd, I'd spend seventy five dollars to see the Wonder Woman movie because I love the first one and I love Gal Gadot so much that I that I literally was like, I'd pay seventy five dollars for this. And then we played a clip of that when I saw that Wonder Woman movie and I was embarrassed. I, I was physically ill. I couldn't believe 
I remember we bought it. We we saw it on HBO Max, and I told my family they could leave. I said <laughs> I have to I have to watch this because I have to review it for the podcast. But don't I'm not going to make you see this. <laughs> it was, well, we she didn't. Kidnaps we a guy. She rapes a guy yeah. and she steals a plane. Yeah, we oh. rented out a theater. This was like mid pandemic and Brian and I and a bunch of friends rented out a theater so that we could watch it. And it was it was fun because we were all together, but it's sure. truly just a mess. And I laid that movie at the director's feet, honestly. Like, I feel like the director could have made tons of different choices and she wrote the movie too, right? Um, well, that's what's that's what's so yeah. shocking. I mean, the first movie is so, so brilliant good. and so yeah. inspiring and just so strong. I mean, the ending of it turns into a Zack Snyder movie because, you know, the bad guy turns into this CGI villain. And, you know, the next thing you know, it's a Zack Snyder film. And, and that's all well and good, you know, but uh, that Wonder Woman 1984 uh, infuriated me. It was such right. a missed opportunity. I'm, I'm um, still angry about it. Well, <laughs> I just I hate it. I just don't, I can't believe they did Pedro Pascal that way. Bad story, bad hair, bad costuming, bad everything. You know, when Zack Snyder uh, and Zack Snyder had a personal tragedy and that's why he didn't finish the movie, they decided to change the movie. And they yeah. changed it because they were reading the criticisms I, of Batman Superman. I will say I watched the Snyder Cut and I actually, I mean, it pains me to say it, but I did think the Snyder Cut was better than the Joss Whedon the, movie. The previous, yeah, the Joss Whedon one for yeah, sure. Yeah, the Snyder Cut was a bad movie as opposed to an unwatchably terrible movie. It's also four hours and thank four God for hours, streaming. Well, I don't have that kind of time. It I'm was not gonna four, watch hours, four hours. I watched it over three movie. days. I paced myself. I took breaks. I, I, I took notes. It was it was it was like a homework assignment. Now, my favorite homework assignment, I used to call it because I'm a completist, was uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, I saw all 22 episodes of every season because it, because once they referenced Daredevil and another time they referenced Thor and, and it was Coulson. And I just thought, well, it's connected. So you have to see. Well, that's the problem with all these shows now is that, yeah, I really, I'm with Hemel. Like, I think every one of these shows, they just took a, like, two-hour movie and they stretched it into, like, six to eight hours of television. It's no fun. And I don't want to watch all those to know what's going on in the next movie, right? Like, I, I don't You have... thought that way about Hawkeye? I thought Hawkeye was genius. I actually loved Hawkeye because it felt more enclosed and definitely more grounded in reality. I will say Falcon and Winter Soldier was not my favorite Loki was just exactly the worst. Loki was boring. I thought Loki, they sat on a train and talked for a long time. The only yeah. character more boring than um, Hawkeye is the Winter Soldier. <laughs> they're taking all the least interesting stories wow. and making eight hours of television with every one of them. It's like they're See, punishing us. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I like. their corporate might. But also they used uh, Carl Lumley as, um, uh, in, in, from that book. Uh, the first ever Captain America, you know, the guy they tested the serum on. Um, and I just love that story. That's that's one of the famous, famous comic books that I read when I was a kid. Like that was one of the few. It's called Truth, uh, uh, Red, White and Black. And uh, it's it's a fantastic book uh, about the, the super soldier program and how they tested it on black people and all, you know, all that. And the fact that they brought that out. My my favorite criticism of the Falcon and Winter Soldier is uh, uh, Vision could get enough money to buy a, a, a property in right. New Jersey 
for Wanda, but Falcon can't get a loan. Yeah, he knows Iron Man. Why like, he can't? He, he can't knows afford to save Iron, his family's like, boat. Iron Man had just died. Like every single yeah, episode like, of that show, like, they're trying to like they're trying to get his family boat out of Hawk, and it is not. <laughs> It's not interesting once, or yeah. maybe it's interesting once. It's not interesting every single time. Well, and my big criticism of WandaVision is um, at the end when Wanda is walking through the town and all the people are looking at her like with scorn, and she's like, "They'll never look at me the same again." And I was like, "Yeah, because you kidnapped them." And <laughs> what I thought was the heroes of that story should have at least tried to capture. Like, yeah. like just make an effort like you. Ha she has to answer for those crimes and for her to just go take off and then say, see you later, Wanda. But how and I then you see what happens in Doctor Strange and you're like, what the hell? And it just it. it, it I just thought the end of WandaVision was wrong. I, I loved Hemel's WandaVision. I loved how ambitious it was. I just didn't. And I loved how they incorporated the uh, the infinity, you know, the snap. I, I joke on the podcast. I call it when they turn to feathers, you know, you, you know, you know, when they when they disappear and they reappear. And I I love that they tied it into those movies. And I thought both Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision having directly connected to Endgame just gave it gravitas. I thought it was genius. But I think the point Hemel made earlier, I agree with it. Like, yeah, Marvel has this formula down for movies but I don't think they have it down for their shows. I think they're really taking the same the same beats and they're just stretching them out to interminable lengths. Sometimes, sometimes. I think, you know, in shows that have depth like Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Hawkeye, I think you're right. I think that the the movies, what they try that what they're trying to do is now they're just using their arrogance. I think Eternals, oh, and, Eternals Shang, and and Shang-Chi are just trying to say, well, we're Marvel. We, we can do whatever the hell they want. So and Eternals was terrible, but I blame that on the director. But um, is Eternals worse than Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Um, I don't think it's worse. It's definitely- We can break up right now, right now. <laughs> I liked the, I think the Eternal, I actually really liked it, but I thought it suffered from being a Marvel movie. Like one of the things about Marvel that's that's kind of cool is that now they're just taking anything like, hey, like Shang-Chi, it's just a Kung Fu movie. But they're like, guess what? It's a Marvel movie. And one character walks through the background at one point. So therefore it's a Marvel movie. Uh, but I think with the Eternals, yeah, like it didn't make sense to make it a Marvel film because there's all these, this whole new set of superheroes and bad guys. And at one point, a character's like, oh, why didn't you guys help us fight <laughs> the hundred problems? They're like, oh, we couldn't because of the rules. It just, it was dumb to have a bunch of new superheroes shoehorned yeah. into this universe. But, but, but to, to go merits, back to your initial cool. point though, Brian, when we were talking about production value and directors and what it looks like, Icarus, who is an awful character, flies better than Henry Cavill. It's a beautiful movie. I, I you know love what I'm the saying? So like watching him glide through the air is incredible. And yet again, it comes down to story. Whereas when you're, you know, when, when Henry Cavill, who was an awful Superman, it again, what? but, but it's oh, not Henry Hamill, Cavill's get him. fault. Get him. He's a great actor. <laughs> that movie is horrendous. Man of Steel is an awful, awful movie. They're all bad. okay. So I agree with you that he is, I actually think he is a great Superman if he had just been given better material. Like if he had just been given a better script. That's the Ryan Reynolds was great in Green Lantern. 
of course. He's like the the physicalness the of Superman. Like he's Which got that strange. jawline. Like he just stepped out of the comic book. He's so good. And totally. I think he does what you're supposed to do as Clark Kent and Superman. He's kind of believable that way, but his material is awful. He's just angry all the time. Yeah. And 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 Superman wouldn't stop not save his father. That's Idiot. Yeah, I think that like it's the directing, but also I think it's that thing that I said earlier about the the most recent iterations of Batman. It's the storytellers miss like these characters, especially Superman and Batman. They're not even characters; they're like modern the American icons, folk yeah. archetypes. Like to misunderstand what has resonated about those characters is to is to really swing and miss at the ball. Well, uh, you guys have a Twitter account for it. How can how can people find the podcast? Well, we can, you can find the podcast on Underdog. And aside from that, it's on other streaming platforms. But you can also iTunes, hit us Spotify, up. wherever it is. And wherever you, you, it guys, is. you guys do social media, correct? I think yes, we actually let the, the Twitter account may have gone dormant. Sorry, Emily, I interrupted you. No, I was going to say, we'll, you, we are on Twitter at 10 Movies, and it's soon to be undormented. Is it? Oh, that's exciting. Ooh, that's exciting. How can people but, find you guys? How can, how can people find you guys? We yeah we are definitely on Twitter. Uh, Hemel's at Hemjaveri and has a uh, I would say a large and rowdy following. Uh, I'm at Brian <laughs> Brian underscore Minter and have a uh, have a uh, much much smaller following. Yeah. So yes, we're on Twitter and I'm only on Twitter. No other social medias, unfortunately. No TikToks. No fan cams. Nothing. You're not like going to start doing the Lizzo dance on TikTok. No. Not yet, not yet. And no oh, YouTube have- either. Maybe we'll expand into YouTube. Reese Witherspoon has a TikTok account where she apologizes to Lizzo for doing the dance wrong. <laughs> it's I will send the video to you. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And it's probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen Reese Witherspoon in. <laughs> Quick yep. side note, she's uh, brilliant in that uh, morning show on Apple. She's a, yeah, she's, People you know, really she's, like it. she's a really good, roles. it's a really good show. The idea yeah. that it was written before the Matt Lauer scandal is pretty remarkable. Unlike you, Seth, uh, Hemel and I are not, uh, we are not fully committed to the podcasting life, so we are not nearly as, as good at promotion as you. Although we do have a website at 10movies.net where we Ooh, uh, there's where a website. We post, uh, there's nice. a website, 10movies.net, and uh, every Tuesday when the new episode drops, we do a little uh, synopsis and provide links to where you can find that episode on Ooh. Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So uh, awesome. feel free to look for us there. Well, thanks for coming, guys. That uh, I really us. appreciate it. What, what did we say that you guys were going to watch that you guys are going to come back and review? What did we the say? Rock is in mm. Black Adam. Oh, we're Black Adam, yes. Black when Adam. Black Adam comes out, you guys are going to come back. That'll be the first Rock character where anyone remembers the name of the character and doesn't just <laughs> call it The Rock. <laughs> Thank you so much, Seth. That's uh, Hemel Javari and uh, Brian Minter. Their podcast is called 10 Movies. They're a lot of fun. And uh, I thank them for uh, hanging out with me and get a chance to uh, meet some of my friends right here on the podcast. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, Next week, uh, the CW uh, super producer, Mark Guggenheim. uh, He's the guy behind Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, Legends. And he's also behind that uh, crossover, The Crisis on Infinite Earths. So Mark Guggenheim next on the Hall of Justice. We will see you then. Believe it or not, I'm walking on it.